Well, hello there, and welcome to the second episode of the What Are You Creating podcast. My name is Cliff Ravenscraft. I am your host, and I want to let you know that today the topic is titled From Corporate to Entrepreneur. This is one man's journey, and that man happens to be my great friend, Stephen Faust. Now, real quickly, I want to let you know that this episode that you are about ready to hear was originally recorded and broadcasted live as a clubhouse room. Now, I also knew that I was going to be putting this conversation into a podcast, so I did record it in good, high-quality audio, so that's wonderful. But I do want to let you know that this episode was not intended to be in this podcast. What are you creating? And the reason why is because I didn't have the idea for this podcast at the time. But it was instead, it was meant to be in a show called The Community Voice. And The Community Voice, as it was most recently updated, is this idea of what it is to be in relationship with true fans. So I just want to let you know there's a part of this conversation that steers into, oh, wow, this is my journey with Cliff. And if you're wondering how that came into this interview-style format podcast, it's because this was in intended to go into a show that is all about featuring and showing the journey of my relationship with some true fans in my community. But when I thought about creating this format, interview format, where every person I talk to and feature a conversation here in What Are You Creating? It's about people who are intentional about what they want to create in life. And as I was reflecting on this, I'm like, okay, this conversation certainly fits in line with that. So when you get in there, it's like, oh my gosh, this is a Cliff Ravenscraft love fest. (laughs) The whole reason for that is because it was a part of the intention uh, for this to be a part of a a show that where that was kind of the thing. But there you go. I, I think I've said enough. If you or anyone you know has a feeling of the golden handcuff syndrome, where you are incredibly successful in your corporate career and you are generating a significant amount of revenue and the idea or thought of creating something on your own and becoming full-time self-employed is incredibly appealing, maybe even borderline obsession, but yet the idea of actually leaving the guaranteed source of revenue from your corporate day job just makes it far too scary, I think you're really going to enjoy this conversation with my friend, Stephen Faust. Stephen, when I met you, you had a desire to become full-time self-employed, to live this entrepreneurial lifestyle, But you still had a corporate job. And then when we started engaging with one another, you kind of liked your corporate job. I didn't know that you would ever leave your corporate job. And then recently I heard, like, you left your corporate job. So let's start with corporate. How did you get into the corporate world? You know, just in the very beginning, right out of high school, I went in the Army. So I'm an Army guy. I, I joined the Army at 17. Actually, between my junior and senior year of high school, I joined the Army. I was uh, just turned, just turned 17 and uh, joined up about a year before I went in, almost a year, went into the Army. I spent 12 and a half years in the Army uh, on active duty, and, you know, it taught me so much. I went in as this it, Zig Ziglar 
Zig Ziglar had, has referred to it as uh, kind of, a, are you a wandering generality or a meaningful specific? And I was this wandering generality in life, didn't really know what to do or what I wanted to do. So I went in the army. That's what a lot of folks in my family had done. And I, I, I really got a focus in the military about wanting to have a, a, a successful career, wanting to, you know, become this driven, I became this driven person to be a high achiever, to succeed. And that kind of set the pace for the rest of my life on, um, you know, what I wanted to go do and, and get after. And corporate was just a natural evolution for me for um, when I exited the, the army in 1998 to, you know, today, it, it, it just was this path I was on that I knew I wanted to lead people. I knew I wanted to, to make more money. I knew I wanted to climb this ladder, this quote unquote career ladder of success that so many other people, you know, in the, in, in the world that I looked around and saw what was possible in, in the corporate world. This is something that I was driven to achieve because I've always been this achievement oriented guy, which really started in the military. And that put me on this path of how high can I go? How much can I make? And I look back on that and we'll talk about that, but that probably wasn't the best way to view life. But that's the mindset I had at the time was army naturally going into a, a corporate environment, beginning to climb another ladder, leading people and doing the things that I was really familiar with. And that's kind of the how I went from not knowing what I wanted to do in life to recognizing that I was a high achiever and was driven to be successful and then taking that and applying it in, in a corporate way and taking that, that path to success down the road. So in 1998, you exit the military what was your first position in the corporate world? My first position took a little while. You know, I got out of the army in, in March of uh, 98. And the economy, if you remember back then, was pretty good. It was a whole dot-com thing going on and you know, all of that. The, the online world was taken off and people were making tons of money in these, in these you know, Silicon Valley and tech, tech spaces. And I just thought I would roll into a, a pretty cool job, but I didn't have a plan. Now, the reason I got out of the army, I would have stayed. I went through a divorce and I had sole custody of my kids at the time. It was just too hard to continue that lifestyle being deployed. So I made a decision to get out. And the first, it's funny, the first job I had was selling Saturn cars. Really? It was not a corporate job, but this was me figuring out again what am I going to go do? I, I, I really don't have a good plan. So I sold Saturn cars for three months and realized I suck at selling cars. The, oh my gosh. The, the whole used car salesman and, and all, all those kind of things you hear about. I am not for that world. So I got out of that uh, pretty quickly. I got a job making $33,000 a year for a health insurance company, a health plan services in Tampa. I think they're still there as a supplies supervisor. So I was a supervisor and at least I was in a, a more of a corporate setting, but I felt way undervalued and underemployed and it was frustrating. So then moved to an IT company. I've always been kind of, kind of like you, Cliff, this kind of tech nerd. I've always been nerdy with technology and things. So I, I got a, a job at a, a tech company called Tech Data. It's a big fortune 100 company at the time uh, as a IT manager. 
So I was an IT manager there for several years, did really well, got promoted, and then recognized that if I'm really going to make a jump and a leap in my corporate career and get on a track of exponential growth and success, that I needed to get back into something I was really, really familiar with, which was aerospace, which was aviation, because I had spent my whole career in the Army in aviation, growing and, and learning and leading aviation types of organizations and things. So I went over to an, an aerospace company in Clearwater, Florida called Smith's Aerospace. I started there in 2003. I went in as an operations manager and then slowly, uh, you know, over the next couple of years, I got promoted to the general manager of the business. And then from there, I started to pivot into different growth opportunities in different companies that kind of led me up to you know present day. The highest position you've held in the aerospace industry was? A senior vice president of global operations for a private equity company. Now, I, I, I've held other positions with bigger companies. This was a smaller company, but it still had global footprint. Your first quote-unquote corporate job, $33,000 a year, you get hired at this healthcare company. You have no healthcare company experience whatsoever, but they hire you as a supervisor to supervise other people who have probably been working in this healthcare company for years. How did that feel being your first corporate gig? Granted, you had tons of leadership experience in the Army. I get that. But the fact that you're leading people to do a job that you've never done yourself before, how does that feel? Can you remember that time? Oh, absolutely. I, I remember it very clearly. It was a team of about eight or nine people. It, it was a supply supervisor. So what my job was, was um, I was, you know, you know back, back then in the, in the late 90s and, and up until probably not too long ago, health insurance companies and this was a this was a health insurance company that brokered all the different companies and and kind of brought everything together. But we would send out all of these written materials and plan documents and brochures and all that. So my job for the company was to manage that process of all of the printed materials and make sure they get to where they need to go and get shipped out and all. So it was a it was kind of like a logistics job. So I I, I think it wasn't so much health knowledge that was important. It was about how to manage an eight or nine person team the right way, how to get them to be productive, how to, you know, take care of them, love them, support them, teach them about, um, you know, showing up to work on time, all the things that are really agnostic to industry. My job was to do that and to make sure that things went in a specific order and smoothly. And being a military guy, I was very self-aware and trained on discipline, on structure, on process, on on the benefit and value of being on time and, and meeting deadlines. So those skills were so transferable into that. And quite honestly, you hear people talk about, are you running from a job or are you running towards a job? I was more running from Saturn not that the car, the car was great, but the experience was not a good fit for me. I was running toward a, a different experience and career path there, but more, I think I was running from something I was really not good at and didn't like. And it was kind of the best opportunity at the time. And I knew I, I've always told people the best time to find a job, a good job is when you have a job. And that is such an important piece of information because when you don't have a job and you're trying to find one, you come across as tense and tight and 
desperate. So I recognize the value of having a job in order to find the next best job for you. And that's kind of the, the path I took at the time. You see so often people go into a, a place and they try to live there their whole life. Not so much these days, but that's typical of some mindsets out there. I think that people, I want to get a job. I just want to go as far as I can in this company. And then I'm going to ride off into the sunset. I've never been that type of person where my view is I'm a fixer. I get in and I do turnarounds. I fix things and then I get bored. And then I'm like itching for the next thing. Right. So, and, that, and if you look back at my career, as we walk through it, I think you'll see that pattern of get into a position that's a, it's a real hot mess, clean it up, get the team firing on all cylinders, and then go find the next opportunity. And that's kind of been the hallmark of, of my success and, you know, maybe uh, impatience to some degree to, to kind of stick things out when the, the weather's good, right? I just want to kind of get to the next thing and, and start fixing again. I've always been an advocate of hire and surround yourself with the best talent and people that you can find, even if they're 10 times smarter than you. I've never been one to look at talent around me and, and be fearful that they're going to make me look bad or I'm going to look like a weak link. I relish that. And when I mentor and coach young leaders and managers today, I talk about that. I talk about bring in the absolute best people you can find and afford and give no concern to their smarts compared to yours because you want the best people around you. Never feel threatened by that because I see so often the norm is, in my experience, the norm is people want to be the smartest person in the room. And that is a recipe for disaster because you can't do it all and you need people that are better than you. And it's, it's such a great thing to sit back and see people succeed far more than you could on your own and just watch them flourish. I tell you, that's the greatest feeling to me is to see the success of people around me. Well, you know, that is such an incredible mindset. So, Stephen, you moved over to the aerospace. You went from operations manager to general manager, and then you ultimately got all the way up to a senior vice president role in a global corporation. That's about the time that I met you. Tell me, how did you discover me and what was all involved in that? What was your mindset around all of this stuff that you and I have worked on over the years? Yeah, so after that experience with my first aerospace uh, corporate job made a couple more moves. I, I moved out to Dallas. You know, I, I moved, I, my wife and I were counting it up not long ago. We moved five times, relocated five times in 10 years. And uh, you know, the, the military, I was kind of used to that because I would, I would be one place and go to Korea, then come back then go to another state. So I wasn't unaccustomed to that, but uh, it really became a disruption. So I wanted to, to find a little more consistency, but I, but I left that job. I went to a job in Dallas. I, then I went to a job in Alabama uh, and then I went to a, you know, I moved out to Phoenix in 2014. So I think it was, I think I may have started listening in 2013 to the podcast answer, man. I always knew, I always knew I'd say from the time I got out of the army to after that, that I wanted to do something on my own at some point. I wanted to be able to call my own, own shots. And I just didn't know what that looked like, what that was, how I would do it. If I 
I had limiting beliefs around that, but I always knew I wanted to do something at some point in my life. So I really began to listen to podcasts and things around these entrepreneurial journeys. And I, I, I got into this cycle or this period of time where I was really interested in becoming a podcaster. I thought that was a cool medium. I don't know how I found you. I'm sure it was just through looking through podcasts or something, but I started listening and I was kind of the guy in the background. I was a silent guy that you never knew existed that listened to a podcast that would download and listen to every episode uh, until I, I reached out and connected with you via your podcasting A to Z course, I believe it was in June of 2014. That was the same time I was leaving my Honeywell job. I worked for Honeywell Aerospace. I was a site leader, general manager in Anniston, Alabama for three and a half years. I did a big turnaround job, $160 million business, about 250 employees that we took from a complete and utter disaster to the, one of the best performing units in the company. I got recruited internally to go out and do that same thing again from uh, a different perspective in Phoenix at, at a bigger site, a, a $1 billion a site, uh, 750 employees was kind of struggling. So we got in there and turned that around. And that moved to Arizona at that same time, I was really into the podcasting idea. And that's when I signed up for podcasting A to Z, took that course. And that's where I first connected with you on a more personal and deeper level. Tell us a little bit about your first podcast. I connected with you in the class. Entry-level leadership is what I launched. I did a few episodes of that, but you know, I realized that, wow, this podcasting stuff, it's not as easy as I thought it would be. It's, it's not the process because I'm a process guy. I'm a, I'm a geeky process guy. So the part of the podcasting I like the most is the, the tech piece, right? The setting it up, getting everything dialed in, figuring that out. But then I realized that oh, I have to have content every week, right? Because I know at the time, and I know you've kind of drifted maybe into a different mindset around this uh, over the last few years, but at the time you were very, very adamant about weekly podcast, weekly podcast, weekly podcast, right? And I think that's to get growth and get yeah, consistent. For anybody who, yeah. if your main purpose is I need to gain a larger audience of people who know, like, and trust me, and the idea is I also, my desire is to grow an audience who will tune in consistently and see me as an influence in their life. And if you want that, consistency is pretty important. As you mentioned, I've, I've actually shifted my mindset around a lot of things. And I think you could have what's called today the minimum effective dose, which means yeah, that, yeah, you yeah. know, it's like I could show up once or twice a month and still have that and not yeah. feel obligated to show up every single week. And in fact, it could be better to not show up every single week because now I only publish content when I'm truly inspired. It's my best content. And the good news is still people who have never heard of me before find my show. There's tons of episodes in the archives and it's now what we call binge worthy. Whereas oh, yeah. Yeah. when I was doing one show a week, every week, whether I wanted to or not, eh, there were a couple of episodes that we call filler episodes. Yeah, I, I tell you, when I realized that, so corporate day job, running a big, huge, the company's largest, uh, not manufacturer, I was at the aftermarket at the time, so repair and overhaul facility, 
in the company, and this is Honeywell Aerosmith, it's a big company. And it was a kind of a mess of a situation. Uh, they were underperforming, had a lot of customer issues, things like that. Then the thought of that day job pressure, and I apply a lot of pressure to myself, probably needlessly because I'm, I'm somewhat of a perfectionist and I'm anal about things. And that's really helped me get things cleaned up. But then I kind of run out of runway, get bored and move on. To come up with content ideas every week and to really sit and think about that, that to me was kind of my my downfall of that podcast was just the, the consistency and the discipline to say, I need to come up with a content idea. I need to outline it. I need to sit and do an episode. Then I love the rest. I love the producing part. I love the, you know, getting it set up and editing that. I love that stuff. But um, I just didn't have it in me at the time to have that consistent discipline of content creation. And that was, that was really, and, and it was really good that I went through that though. And really good, that I, I had to struggle with that because what it did is it taught me more about where my passion lied. And my passion wasn't to talk about in the things that I dealt with and did every day of my life, which was aerospace, which was leadership, which was you know, helping people with basic common leadership problems, all great stuff. And I like doing that, but I didn't want to have to do that during the day, all day long. And then create content around it uh, when I'm not doing my day job. And that's, I just kind of got burned out on the concept of such a similar type of content creation. That was why that kind of, uh, I would say, uh, stopped happening. But the thing I liked the most was all of the, 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 the content of podcasting A to Z, for example, for me, the geekiness of it and the, and the wires and the connections and this, do that. I ate that up. I love that. And, and I still have access to all that because I know, and we'll get to this when I, when I visited your house, spoiler alert, you had me in base camp. I was over in base camp. I'd never been moved over to your, your new portal in uh, Kajabi. And uh, you did all that for me. So I still have all that archived gold nuggets of timeless information around podcasting. So I, uh, I, I, I love that stuff. I, I'm, a, I'm a junkie course consumer. I take and buy, and, and that is one path to becoming a true fan, right? You, you buy everything you first, you, you know, like, and trust. So I trust cliff. I trust and believe what you say. It resonates with me. I love the way you teach it and share it. Therefore now my personality, I gobble up and just buy stuff because I know there's going to be value. And I know we're in alignment and how we look at things and uh, how I absorb things from a guy like you. So I, I just, I'm a buyer. I'm a consumer of stuff that I love. The next thing that I recall, so that was June of 2014. It was probably sometime in 2018. You sign up for one of my building an online business workshops. This is at the same time I'm trying to promote my first ever Free the Dream conference. I've actually uh, facilitated many building an online business workshops, which is a two-day intensive workshop on how to build an online business. And I'd, I'd filled up the entire session, sold you know, 12, 14 people at a time, but now I'm on to the next stage. It's like, okay, I, now I, I know I can sell out workshops. Now it's time to do this conference. So I'm promoting this conference, but I still had scheduled sessions 
for this building. And and Stephen's like, I'm going to sign up for this session. And he signs up. And of course, I don't market this session that he signed up for. And so I reach out to Stephen. I said, listen, dude, I want to just offer you a complete refund if you are expecting a class full of other students to learn and, and network with and all this other stuff. Otherwise, if you want, I'd be happy, no additional charge. If you still want to come, I will teach you this workshop one-on-one. And uh, Stephen's like, dude, sign me up. I'm, I'm in. Just keep Keep my money. I will be there. Just as a little funny story, and this just leans into the true fan side of things. Tell people what happened the first time you tried to come here. Yeah, I uh, let me back up for one thing. All the, right. Yeah. The, yeah. the first, the I believe this is the order of events. The first thing that happened that connected me. So I had the whole podcasting A to Z uh, experience. Fast forward a few years, I think it's 2018. I decide to join your audio journal. Oh, right? that was first. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I, I believe so. Right. So here's how that worked, and here's how that created. It, it's funny how that this one event created the environment for me becoming a true fan because I followed the podcast answer man turned into uh, Cliff Ravenscraft show, all that stuff. And you started promoting or talking about your audio journal. And I I'm like, okay, I'm going to check this out. So it was, you know, Patreon and I joined, it was a $10 investment, $10 a month. Yep. And I joined at $25 a month. I remember, I, yeah. I do remember that. Yep. I remember that you sent me a private video, right? It wasn't, um, it, it was, um, it's Bonjoro probably. Yeah, bon- no, it wasn't Bonjoro. It's was the other one you use. You sent me this private video and I, and I, I, I get up one morning or whatever. And I'm looking at my email. I'm like, Cliff Ravenscraft sent you a private video or message. So I opened it up and it's you for, I don't know, 30, 45 seconds. Uh, sitting at, at, I think it was at Stephanie's station at the time and in the other room, you were just thanking me. It's like, well, I just really appreciate uh, you, you signing up. Uh, and I just want to say that, you know, most people sign up at 10, but that the extra commitment you've made at $25 a month, I just felt that I needed to send you this video and say, thank you. And that was the beginning of what a more direct personal and professional relationship would begin to look like. So I remember that was to me like, wow, that's pretty cool. And if, if, if you're out there and, and you have clients and if you really want to make an impact on, I do this today with my members and my membership is I, I have Bonjuro and, and I'll, I'll send every new member a 30 second private personal Bonjuro video. And it's such a cool connection point that you can build with your clients and customers. And you did that for me. And that told me that you're just not a guy out there that's peddling stuff. You're a guy out there that has a true appreciation for people and being a leader and a leadership guy. I appreciated that maybe more than just the average person. And um, that started me down this path of, okay, let me see what else I could do. Cause I'm really into this online business thing. I don't know exactly what I want to do, but I know I want to do something online and, and take more control of my life. And I ran across, it was on your website. Now you didn't have any scheduled, scheduled dates or, or anything, but it said, uh, building a business workshop. If you're interested, click here, you can go on the wait list. I think it was the wait list. 
Uh, and, and as soon as we open up another session and schedule it, then we'll notify you. So, okay, I'm going to go on the wait list. I want to, I want to buy this. So you reached out to me, like you said, and said, uh, now I know later that I didn't know at the time is like, you aren't doing these anymore. You're in this pivot phase <laughs> of your life. And, um, I, I kind of thought, man, you have a fish on the hook here. Right. I'm trying, I'm trying to give you money, Cliff. Uh, $2,000. He's like, Cliff, take my $2,000 for your workshop. Please. So you being an entrepreneur and a creative thinker, you said, okay, how can we, how can we still give this guy value and do it in a way that doesn't disrupt my pivot to the mindset answer, man. Right. And, and I think that was important And, and it all worked out for, for me. And now we get to the point of the story, I think that you were talking. Yeah, about. so you're coming out for this one-on-one experience of this workshop material. Well, the, well, the very first time I tried to come out, as you recall, there wasn't a a clean, clear way to get from Phoenix, Arizona, to Cincinnati, and um, I had to connect through Tucson, which was weird. Uh, so I so I got to the airport this the the day of travel. All the flights were being delayed. There was bad weather in the Tucson area. Tornado warnings all kinds of things, but the flights were still happening. They were just all goofed up. So I got diverted to Tucson. I was going to fly, I think to Dallas and then to Cincinnati, but it got diverted. The flights were canceled. So I got on this flight to Tucson, which was going to connect direct into Cincinnati. I got to Tucson and that's a, you know, it's a hour and a half drive from Phoenix. It's a 20 minute flight. So I get to Tucson. I keep waiting and waiting and waiting. The connection is delayed. It's delayed. It's delayed. It's canceled. So weather, bad weather, horrible Dallas weather was bad with tornadoes and things. I was going to have to connect again, I think, or something like that. They canceled the flight and I couldn't get out that day. I remember going, oh my gosh, I, I not, you know, paid two grand. Okay. But I'm going to miss out on this opportunity to, to sit with Cliff and learn. So I remember renting a car and driving back to Phoenix because I couldn't get back home. And uh, in the car, I called you and you were at a event with, one of your daughters, I think it was a, re, I don't know if it was a recital or if it was a, some, no, it was like the eighth grade promotion or something. Yep, it was eighth grade promotion. Eighth, eighth grade promotion. And you were sitting in the auditorium and you, I called you and then you, you stepped out, you, you took my call and I, I just like, man, Cliff, I'm just not going to be able to make it in. We were planning to go to dinner. We we're planning to do these things. I just can't make it in. All my flights were canceled. I'm driving back home. And man, I, I just felt so bad that I was going to miss out on this opportunity. And we rescheduled. Yeah, that's the thing, right? I yep, mean, I yep. was I was kind of just resigned to the fact that I just missed out on the opportunity. I didn't expect a refund because you had granted me access to all the online modules at that point of the course of the prior sessions that you had recorded. And I wasn't in any way expecting anything in return because I feel like there was still all that value there. And I said, hey, maybe maybe we can maybe jump on a Zoom call and you can answer some questions for me or, or, or do some things. And you said, how about we just reschedule it? And I, I'm like, wow, I, I couldn't believe that you even made that offer to me. Uh, and I'm like, yeah, I'm in. I'm in. So uh, that that's what happened. You were gracious enough to see the struggle that I was having and yet the desire that I had to learn from you and the desire I had to, to change my life in some way um, that you offered that. And that was a big pivotal moment for me because now I'm like, okay, this is meant to happen. We're going to make this happen. 
right? And I think it was, I don't know, a few weeks later or, or a month later or whatever it was. Yeah, it was a couple of weeks later. And, and then, so then, then you're here. We go out to dinner. It's me, you, and Stephanie hanging out, having a good time. And then we have this, I, basically, it's just this day and a half of coaching, of helping you develop a plan and, and just thinking about brainstorming ideas, coming up with a strategy for you to build your own online business and and things like that. And I'll never forget that, guys, this is crazy. So we're at the end of this session, you know, getting ready to take Stephen back to the airport or whatever. And, and, and he's like, hey, before we go, I hear you have a free The Dream Conference. Uh, is that something I can buy a ticket for right now? And I'm like, sure. And so he sits there and he buys this VIP ticket to free the dream conference. And he goes, hey, don't you have a mastermind group also? And I'm like, yeah. He goes, can I sign up for that? Is that something I'm qualified for? And I'm like, sure, this is awesome. And and, you know, my belief at the time though, was that the mastermind was really, and I think it was probably intended this way, was really for full-time entrepreneurs that, uh, so I felt kind of like a fish out of water. I have a day job. I have this dream and goal and desire, but I don't really know what that looks like completely yet. So I didn't really know if I was qualified for to be a good fit or not. And, you know, later in that, I learned that the day job wasn't, wasn't a, a prohibitor for me getting all the great value out of it. But I didn't know in that moment, at that time, I asked that question, if, I would even be a guy. I, I'm like, this is Cliff Ravenscraft, man. This is the podcast answer, man. He's going to like, yeah, you're, you're not really for us. You know, that's what I was kind of expecting to what, hear. Well, and, and it is it is by design. So the Next Level Mastermind, when I first started it, I said, listen, here's here's the qualification. I mean, there's qualifications as far as mindsets and 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 some other things and where you are in your journey and, and, and a couple of other things that are qualifiers. But as far as that goes, you must be either 100% full-time self-employed or if you have a day job, any day job, you must have a commitment to being full-time self-employed within the next 12 to 18 months. That's it. That's what I remember. And so I asked you if that were the case and you said, you know, about around there, yeah. And then I said, great. Now, I can tell you because I had the experience with you in the Next Level Mastermind, having this incredibly successful experience in corporate leadership, and you were doing things, building a side hustle kind of thing on the side, but it at, at, you were in the Next Level Mastermind for what, two years, two and a half 18 years? 18 months, 18 months. Okay, so 18 months. Yep. So you were in the Next Level Mastermind for 18 months, and you didn't leave the day job, and you didn't weren't in it only for eighteen months because we said that's it, Stephen. You've you've reached your deadline. No, I would have let you continue on for as long as you want. And since then, I've actually even you know I I still look for people and I still promote it the ways you full time self employed or you're in that way. But you know what? The, you were having incredible success in learning and growing how to build something on the side in the event that the day job is something you don't want to keep anymore, but you were still very happy and satisfied at the time with the day job. And I'm like, you know what? This is this is expanding my understanding of who I'd like to be in this group because if, if I've got somebody who has your skills of leadership, your level of education, your level of experience, and you also are taking action on building a business, and building a brand for yourself, 
I mean, you don't have to be full time to be bring all of that value to this group. And so you helped change some of my expectation of what makes a good member in the groups as well. Yeah. And that was, that was really good because we did run into situations where that perspective uh, was valuable for people that people that had been entrepreneurs for either their whole life or so many years that, you know, to, to bring a perspective of, you know, maybe corporate leadership or uh, leading teams in a, in a different way or different ideas of, of solving problems because I had faced that problem a week ago, uh, very specifically, I, I, I thought that did add value to the group. And, and for me, that being in the mastermind was my first exposure to people that uh, I wanted to be more like. And, you know, I remember, and, and they're good friends still to this day, you know, a few of them, Tom Hefner, great friend of mine. I talk with him every week. Um, Jake Lang, great friend of mine, talk with him every week. Frank Lipsky, great friend of mine, talk to him every week. These are relationships that I would not have today if I didn't have that first experience uh, in the next level mastermind being exposed to this. So one of the greatest benefits and values of that master of the mastermind experience was just what I had learned is like I talked about before surrounding yourself with the best possible talent and people. And in this case, surrounding myself with these successful entrepreneurs, which was a different world for me and something that I absorbed. I'm the guy that felt like I didn't really fit into that environment because these guys, you know, had these, you know, six, they were selling insurance courses and they were doing, had escape rooms and they were pivoting, you know, Chris Nelson, great friend of mine. I talk to him every week. And uh, these guys that, you know, are, are transitioning or have fully transitioned to, to these self-employed location independent entrepreneurial roles and positions in life, man, that's what I wanted to become. I wanted to be around and just rub up next to these people. And that to me was such a valuable benefit, just like free the dream 28. was it 2018 was the last one you did, right? 2019 is the 2019. That's the one I went to. Yeah. You did 18 and 19. I went to 19 again, same thing. Go to, go to free the dream surround my, I get to meet people now in the mastermind. And I think almost maybe, maybe there were one or two exceptions, but the entire PM group of the next level mastermind showed up Yeah, for yeah. free the dream, right? We all traveled. We had Elmer travel from Australia. Yep. To be at, be at um, your conference in, in Franklin, Tennessee. And it was absolutely a, a life-changing experience because the content, the teaching, the training was great. The speakers were great, but the opportunity to network and be with people that I wanted to be more like was great. I remember uh, I listened to Paul Klein's podcast for a while, the pricing and positioning podcast. I don't, I don't think he does it currently, but at the time I was really into his podcast and I, I remember him being there and talking with him and going, man, I really like your podcast. And, you know, as I try to figure out what I want to do, I'm thinking about pricing and positioning and mindset and limiting beliefs and, and all that. And he came up to me, um, I, I think not long after that conversation, and he asked me to go to dinner with him. Hmm. He said, Hey, you want to go? Hey, well, we went to Outback uh, in Franklin uh, and we went to dinner and he 
took me to dinner because he wanted to pick my brain on the way I think about things to help him in his business. And I thought that was so cool. It's like, man, what value could they get from me? From me, you know? And that was kind of my limiting beliefs at the time. And so the value of the relationships that I built in the mastermind and at the at Free the Dream, meeting you, meeting Stephanie, meeting the PM group, the AM group. A lot of them were there. I went to dinner with some of the 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 groups. One of the the guys uh, on the Community Voice, uh, Casey made Price. Call. Yes, Casey. Casey. Yeah, he he um, he talked about that a little bit when you when you spoke with him. But yeah, guys like that went to dinner with him, and you you break bread with people you learn all kinds of things. And I know when you and, and Stephanie and I went to dinner at what seasons, is it seasons 52? Seasons 52. Yeah. Yes. Seasons 52. It was just a great dinner. It was a great dinner because I got insights and mindset shifts that weren't a scheduled planned content event on the itinerary. It was just discussion with people that you like to be around, that you enjoy their company that they are doing things that you see yourself doing more of in the future. And you just absorb, you absorb that opportunity. And that is the biggest thing that's happened to me is I can't do this alone. I couldn't do it alone. I didn't know what that meant as far as who I could do it with, but beginning in the mastermind, beginning in the canceled plane flights, the day I spent with you getting the free, the dream VIP ticket, joining the next level mastermind PM group, going to free the dream. It changed everything for me and how I approach what's possible. And to me, that was such a huge pivot in my life. Really told me, he's like, you know, I could probably do this. I, and I've used this term before with you. It's like, I feel like in corporate, I have these golden handcuffs on and I want to do something different. I'm scared to do something different because I'm very comfortable I have a great job with a good salary, with a uh, with people that I like, that I just enjoy what I do. But I enjoy I want to do these things, but I'm too comfortable and don't have uh, enough guts right now to just say I give all of that up. I'm going to take all of my chances and risk over here. And as we fast forward here in a bit to kind of the end game for me in corporate. I think you'll be surprised by by what you hear. Yeah, and and that's what I'd love to move into. So, tell us how did you first get into building a business and some little side revenue on the on the income and just tell a little bit of journey of how that's kind of morphed over time. Yeah, so it started with podcasting A to Z. I thought I would like to do podcasting. Uh, I didn't really have a way to monetize that in my head other than I just thought it would be cool. Um I, in the army, going back to the army, being this kind of high achiever, I was the one of the fastest in the army to get promoted uh, up, up through the enlisted ranks. I actually wrote a book in, in 1995 called, uh, it's on my wall here, called PowerPoints, Mastering the Army Promotion Point System. It's, a, it's, a, it's the process, step-by-step process of how to get promoted faster by doing certain things and getting more points, which is, you know, and you don't have to be the, the, a, a brilliant person to get promoted in the army. You just have to be savvy enough to know how to get points by doing certain things. And I taught people this process that I used and I published that in 95 and it was in active production all the way through like 2010 
just now so outdated. I haven't done anything with it. And that's kind of been something that I'm not going back to, but it started with me writing this book and believing that, man, I can change some lives. I enjoy this kind of hustle. I enjoy kind of doing things like this that are outside of my normal job. Uh, I want to, I want to, you know, build different income streams and be more on my own, but I didn't know what that looked like. So it started with that book and then all through the corporate stuff that we've talked through so far into podcasting A to Z, that being like, and then, and then meeting with you in 2018, it really solidified, instead of solidified that this is the path I want to go down. I want to get out of corporate. Uh, I want to pivot toward, move toward something that I want, which is location independent self-employment that I can set my own everything in my life. And I just need to see how I can monetize that and then have a, a life that's not on, um, you know, rice and beans every day. Right. I need to see that because I am comfortable. I do make a, a decent living and to give that up has to be, you know, has to be compelling. So I was always scared, scared to leave corporate, scared and worried about that. So those are the, the things that I started to do. So I started to create a, I think it was in 2018. Also, I created a, a website, armypromotionpoint.com. But no longer, I've taken it down because I've pivoted to something different and, and moved everything over there. Uh, trying to get people as a takeoff on the book that I wrote, trying to get people into an online course around this thing with it's updated and all. I sold a few of those. I started that on Kajabi. Uh, I'm still in your affiliate program for Kajabi, by the way. So. Nice. Yeah. Hey, before you just skip over that, because I, it, it sounds like you're ready to move on to the next thing. But I just want to say this. I mean, you, you signed up for Kajabi. You went in and you created a yeah. course using their course builder software. Yep. And and I tell you, I've hosted a lot of courses. I've seen lots of Kajabi courses. And the detail that you put into that course, it was an incredibly awesome looking d- course. I mean, I was kind of like, man, if I ever do a, another course, I might hire Steven, see if he'd be willing to design it for me. So yeah. this was, this is an incredible course, but uh, this is what I see with a lot of people. And I'm sure you've seen a lot of people that y- you spend a lot, invest a lot of time, effort and energy creating a course. And then you go to sell it. And you say you sell, sold a copy. I sold, I, sold, I sold five copies. So there you go. So, and this is this is not an unusual story. How how many hours would you say you put into building that course? Uh, I, I call it weeks and weeks and weeks of hours. <laughs> so it was, it was all, because I'm I'm you know one of my big flaws is I'm a perfectionist. I don't get to the eighty uh, percent and say it's good enough and then tweak as you go. At the time, I was it's got to be perfect. Got to be perfect. Everything's got to be recorded right. It looks pretty. It's everything's good. So I spent so much time, and then it was crickets except for five copies. And how much was the course? 197. There you go. So just imagine how much Steven's used to making, uh, like when he, you, if you average out his salary at the corporate world uh, and stuff like that, how much he, he's worth per hour in that area. And eh, you didn't quite hit your, your target um, income goals there. Yeah. You know what? I, I was frustrated because obviously if you build it, they'll come, right? I mean, of, that, that's, of course, that's, that's how, how it works. works. That's how it works. But, you, you know, again, kind of like the podcasting experience, it was an evolution and a step in this learning that makes me think, act and operate differently today. So it, it was it's not all wasted. It was a lot of lessons in that. Oh, yeah. That, 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 those weren't wasted weeks. Oh. Obvi- obviously, there, there are 
things you could have done differently, you know, looking back hindsight, but you, sometimes you don't know until you get into something. You don't know that you don't want to be a tossing pennies on the ground to try to convince people (laughs) psycho manipulatively to buy cars until you go and try to sell cars. Exactly. Anyway. So, but okay. So you, you, you went and you had the course, had a couple of sales. What came next? So what came next was I, I knew that the niche that I was most, I don't know if I would say most passionate about, but most knowledgeable in and felt that I could make the most difference in people's lives that wasn't aerospace was this army uh, niche of helping NCOs, non-commissioned officers, kind of entry first, second level leaders, you know, help their career grow. And this thought around promotion points uh, was my idea. Didn't pan out as well. So me being a quick pivoter and going, well, that doesn't seem to be working. I, um, it, but, but through that, but through that failed experience came a relationship with a guy who I tried to get as a, who actually was an affiliate for me because he had a much bigger audience. Um, and he had a big a couple of big websites and a big Facebook page and all. So I Facebook, said, Facebook page with how many members? Uh, over 200,000. Okay. Just want to get that uh, right. into the record yeah. there. Yep. So uh, I became friends with him and he's in medical school, got out of the army and he was looking to pivot. He was an entrepreneur as well. He had like a, he had like a, um, a, a pizza shop that he owned and he owned a couple other little side businesses. So we, we made friends spoke, you know, on occasion and he came to me, uh, I'd say in September of 2019, I don't know, 19, 19 and said, said, you know, I, I just like to get out of the business. Would you like to buy my websites? Right. And I'm like, Oh, well, that's a surprise. Fast forward, multiple conversations. Yes. I ended up buying both of his websites for $15,000 each, $30,000 total. And they were monetized through, he was monetizing through AdSense. These sites were 10 and 12 year old sites getting three to 500,000 page views per month each. And, um, he was, you know, making some ad money, you know, a thousand bucks, 1200 bucks a month passively uh, on ads. So I bought these websites and I pivoted from my website that I started and moved everything. Uh, I had to redesign these. If you recall, these were on the old Yahoo site builder that was, they were uh, retiring and no longer supporting. So I had about three months to get everything moved over to WordPress and, and uh, redone. So I did all that, all that work and, and studied and figured it out, got it all done uh, in March of 2020. And those websites now make me between $1,500 and $2,000 a month passively with I wouldn't say it's zero. I'd say total of about 30 minutes per month total to manage a couple updates that I need to make on that website, but they get tons of organic traffic. I rank number one for hundreds of keywords. I rank higher than the army does on a lot of keywords. And um, it it's just gets tons of traffic, especially around promotion time of the month because I publish information around promotions. So I've taken that, those two websites, huge traffic websites, I, in, in Kajabi now, those are WordPress, but in Kajabi, I built a, a, a business, NCOs on fire, it's ncoonfire.com without the S, ncoonfire.com. And all I do there is I, I put some information out and put a lot of lead magnets out and have my email opt-ins, my pipelines, all my membership stuff. But 
I'm getting on average about today, about 1300 new email addresses per month. Um, my list is over 14,000 now, just since I've started this and um, it's really growing. And now I've used that traffic and parlayed that into some different funnels around a membership, which really goes into the stuff that is I'm monetizing beyond just the passive ad revenue, which is this membership business that I started to serve uh, NCOs in the army with tools. I've created a lot of digital products, uh, several, probably four core digital products that help solve very specific problems of writing evaluations and writing awards for soldiers and counseling soldiers and all this. And I sold those one off for a little while and then moved it all into a membership with the help of my buddy that, you know, Shane Sams and flip lifestyle went through his round table coaching program with six months for it with him. And now I have this membership that I offer products, tons of products and solutions that uh, go on top of uh, one-on-one mentoring and coaching. I do through a tool called video ask. If you haven't heard of that. I have um, not heard about that. It, it's a fantastic uh, asynchronous one-on-one tool that you can do. Uh, it, I have it embed. It's, it's a phenomenal tool for giving coaching and one-on-one um, because I have people all over the world, not like not unusual, but I have soldiers that are in, deployed everywhere. And so I do one-on-one mentoring through video ask. I got a, a community forums that I answer questions as they come up. Uh, and then I do live training uh, once a month or so on a different topic. And I just build that into my kind of library of growing content of um, workshops that I call it. So live component, a monthly workshop that's live, it gets recorded and added about four core products that they need as NCOs to solve daily challenges. And then the live mentoring or the uh, asynchronous video ask mentoring and coaching bundled up into a membership. I launched that in April, end of April, April, April 25th of 2021 struggled, tried to figure things out, trying to dial things in, just learning the process, learning the best way to market and do all that. Today, I'm at like 105 paying members. I do a two-week free trial to that. I do it for 29 bucks a month right now. I'm, I'm raising the price on March 24th to 39. I always said, once I hit 100 members, I'm going to raise the price, get people in this beta group to get a lot of stuff going. So I'm getting ready to raise the price on that. And I see that I'm about, I'm about $3,000 a month MRR, monthly recurring revenue on that. I'm about $1,500 to $2,000 a month on recurring passive ad revenue. And then I have a couple other things that we can get into if you want. Yeah, what are the other things? Go ahead. Yep. So the other, um, with with a good friend of mine that you know, Frank, he just bought a business. Frank Lipsky just bought a business called Sims You Share, which is a really cool proprietary software as a service app that helps firefighters build custom real-time type of simulation so they can do training across their department, either virtually or in person. It's very unique proprietary software. So I'm working with Frank on that. I, I'm, a, I'm a very small kind of investor into that business with him. We talk every week. We just talk mindset, talk about things that maybe the business should look at doing. He runs it. Uh, he's growing it. It's a, it's a booming business. He is doing absolutely phenomenally in this business now. So that's a little income stream for me just on the back end of um, kind of the agreement we have. And then that's very 100% passive for me. I'm a big passive income guy. I, memberships aren't passive, but they're probably 80% passive 
Uh, and then ad revenue, hundred percent passive. And then I have this stream that I'm working with Frank on hundred percent passive. And then I'm, I'm beginning to do some, some work with Shane Sams. He does these phenomenal Christian based uh, life events called life surge that he does um, all over the country. And he's uh, afforded me an opportunity to be part of his uh, road team that uh, helps be a testimonial in the room that helps show people how I did it under his program, coaching leadership and demonstrate that they could do it too, because I had all the limiting beliefs, all the self doubt, all the, I can't do this mindset issues at different times and going through his program really taught me how to do this business the right way, God's way, do it properly, bringing people in that could really get value out of this. And um, just to really be out there helping his team demonstrate what's possible for people who are looking to pivot into this type of business. So those are the different income streams that I have now. And it's, and it's, you know, not one of them is going to replace my income, but all of them combined, plus knowing that I have this base membership uh, that has 105 people in it, that will just continue to grow and scale. No corporate ceilings of limitations of what's possible that I know if I'm making $3,000 today in monthly recurring revenue and I just stay the course. And my goal is to not do anything crazy, but a hundred new members this year to go from 100 to 200 ish. Right. And if I could just stack that, uh, as Shane says, you know, your floor could be higher than other people's ceilings. Every member that I add net new that doesn't churn is an increase to my income. And just thinking that 3000 can be 7,000 by the end of the year with the price increase, and it could be 10,000 or 11 or 12,000 the following year. So in reality is, and, and it's, it's math, it, this is scaling without limitations. And that's what the corporate world limited me on is I know I make a great living, a great salary, and that's going to be what it is, except for maybe a two or 3% raise every year, right? That's going to be what it is. Unless I go take a big leap of faith and go relocate to another part of the country for a bigger, better job, just to kind of repeat the cycle again in two or three years. So by adding these members the right way and keeping them, I'm able to grow my floor of my membership over time that will that will serve me and my family for years. So I can wake up five years from now and have a $30,000 a month membership, plus these other things that um, I'm stacking on top of it. And, and you know what? I always tell myself this, I can always go get another job, mm. right? Mm-hmm. Now I can go get another job. Do I need to have the job that I had at making, you know, I, I made several hundred thousand dollars a year. Do I need that job? and have all the headaches and problems and people and challenges. No, I don't need that job. I have this income. I have these three, four, five income streams. Now, if I had to go get another job, I could get another job that is going to at worst tide me over until I continue to grow. Right. I can always go get an individual contributor job. I can do a lot of different things. I don't need to be the the top of the heap, the biggest person on campus. Just I I can go make a lot less money, but as now another income stream added to what I'm already doing, I'm going to be in really good shape. That is kind of the last resort to ever go do that again. But I know if the world goes to hell in a handbasket for me financially, 
I can always go get, quote, a job and I should be able to get that no problem with, with no friction. And uh, that gives me a lot of calm and peace. It took me a year to figure the formula out. Once I started, I know the formula and I know that I can turn a dial and can and up my income in a very specific way. So that's the course and the plan that I'm on. And these other income streams add gap filler right now of income, add diversification of income, and just helps me maintain a, a little bit better lifestyle while my membership continues to grow and scale. That is incredible. I love the whole journey from corporate to entrepreneur. When did you leave the day job? Here's the surprising thing, Cliff. I got laid off January 31st. And um, for the last year, I was with this company for two and a half years. I was the vice president, general manager, and it's a tough year in the company. Some things are going on with contracts and things. Next year, it picks back up again, but this is kind of a lull year. So uh, I've been thinking over the last, I'd say two years about my exit strategy. My exit strategy, how do I make this possible? Because now I'm starting to see success. I'm starting to see how to scale this success. How do I make a pivot to this and how long is it going to take me? So from right now, at the beginning of this year, I was planning on a 12 to 18 month runway to pivot out of the business into this. And God, and God says, you're ready to spread your wings and fly at the end of this yeah. month. Yeah. And, and like I had mentioned, I do feel like I have a little bit of a golden handcuff syndrome and I've always been nervous to take the leap because every other Friday, my bank account reflects a deposit. Once a year, I get a bonus. It reflects a deposit. I can count on that. That's predictable monthly recurring revenue. And it, it was always, you know, nerve wracking a bit to say, when do I make the leap? But I had gotten in my mind to 12 to 18 months out, I'd be optimally positioned to make the leap. A little bit more growth in the membership, a couple more income streams, make me really comfortable uh, with it. But because it's a tough year, my boss, I cut cost in our business with some reductions a week prior to what happened to me. And I made these cuts because of the environment and just a tougher year. We wanted to save cost. So I cut some salaries and unfortunately a couple positions were cut. The following week, my boss comes in, which is not unusual. He comes in once a month to visit. He's out of state and he comes in. And the first thing he does is talk to me and I, I see him with HR in tow. Uh oh. So I'm like, oh, okay. This is cool. I guess this is interesting. And the HR person I know very well, I mean, and person didn't tip me off or anything, which is probably what I would have expected. I mean, she's doing her job. He, he tells me that, look, we're cutting costs. You know, you've just done this. We're cutting costs across the business. We're going to take your role and merge it into another executive role. So an, another executive in the company is ultimately going to be moving into two jobs, his current job plus my job, because the business is shifting a little bit. So he, he notified me of that. It was nothing but gratitude, nothing but gratitude. I was so thankful to him for the opportunity. I was so appreciative of, to him for being a great boss, a great leader. He told me, he says, we wouldn't be here today if you weren't here doing what you've done for the last two and a half years. Getting the business from a hot mess to a well-functioning business, smooth, 
past dues, delinquent orders, 100% eliminated, all of those things enabled him to manage the business a little differently and a little more cost-effectively because it was running well. And he was thankful to me, appreciative. I was his first hire when he became the new CEO. And I was so gracious and thankful to him and appreciative. And he later told a, a, a person in the company that he had never had an experience like that with letting somebody go, right? So all of that said, it was God's way, to your point, of saying, uh, okay, I'm pushing you out of the nest because as soon as he said that to me, as far as, you know, we're making a change, I felt instant relief. I felt this instant kind of freedom and weight off my shoulder of knowing that I didn't have to try to find the perfect time to leave the business in a year to 18 months, that this decision was being made. And I, at that moment, knew that, 100%, I am not going back to a corporate job. This is earlier than I would have done on my own, probably out of fear, but it has forced me down the path I want to go. And it just caused me to get there a little sooner. And since I've left, I've been out for a little over a month now, I've already added another income stream. Being comfortable limits your hustle to go find more income when you have your income coming in at a nice level. Right. So I've been forced to to focus a little bit differently, but I have zero fear now of we're going to be okay and we're going to make it. And because I was laid off, I got a very, very soft landing from the company. They They took care of me because they took care of me like companies do when they have layoffs and cuts. That's not unusual. It's just normal process. But because they did that, that gives me extra peace and comfort and calm while I continue to stack my online business revenue. And I wouldn't have had any of that had I just left in 12 to 18 months. I would have been cut day one. I would have been full online business. That's got to support my life, lifestyle, and my family. Now I have this this period of time where I'm landing with a soft parachute in a bed of marshmallows while I'm continuing to build online business revenue. And it couldn't be any more beautiful of a situation for me. And it is, I am so happy that I am full-time self-employed. I am so happy that I don't have the pressure and stress of getting into a car, driving 45 minutes through traffic, to go to a job. I like the people, but doing the same thing every day, every day, every day, so I can hurry up and get home through traffic to start working on what I really love to do, which is building my membership, which is diversifying my income streams, which is figuring out how to, to make more ad revenue. All these things that I love doing, I have to get through the day. So it, it was time. It was just sooner than I would have been nervous to choose it. It was chosen for me and I couldn't be more grateful thankful, appreciative. And it absolutely is one of the best things that's ever happened to me professionally. That is so awesome. I love all of this. I'm so thrilled. And my one of my favorite parts of this is that 
you you and I touched base yesterday. It's been a while since we chatted. I think I reached out to you and said, Steven, how's it going? And he's like, hey, some new developments over here. We should catch up. And I'm like, hey, why don't we do a clubhouse room? And he says, that'd be great. When do you want to do that? I said, hey, you're self-employed now. You want to do it tomorrow? He goes, hmm, let me check my cal- Yeah, I'm available at one o'clock tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, it, it's been a beautiful thing. There's if, if, you, if you're out there in a corporate job and you... Uh, or like me, and you just been doing it. There is nothing more gratifying than being in command of your life and your day. And I was telling my wife, Nadia, yesterday, I said, I don't know how I found time to do anything because I'm so busy every day. I'm picking the kids up from school. I went on a three mile nature walk with my wife. You find things to do, but the things that I'm finding to do are things that I've missed out on that maybe I can stop taking vitamin D because I'll be out in the sun more. There you go. So it's been fantastic, Cliff. You've been a big part of my journey to success and and everything. And the mastermind experience is one of the best things that's ever happened to me. And the thing I love about you is the fact that the relationship with you doesn't stop when my ACH deposits can stop going to Kajabi, right? It doesn't stop. You still have a heart of gold. You care about people. And yesterday, just reaching out to me like that, it, it's phenomenal. And, and I, I intend for our relationship to continue well, well into the future. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Stephen, for coming and sharing your journey from corporate to entrepreneur. I know this story is going to resonate with some people. As a matter of fact, I'm going to make sure that my well, I'll just, I won't name the friend, but there's a friend that definitely needs to be hearing this conversation. Uh, and, and, uh, he'll, I know he's going to benefit from it. And there's been a, I've been watching Clubhouse and you've captured the hearts and the minds of a lot of people because, I, you know, sometimes people come and go, especially in a room on Clubhouse where it's just us broadcasting. But there's, there's been a number of people who have like just been glued to this entire audio conversation. So I'm super honored for that. Hey, real quickly, since I am publishing this as a podcast episode, I just want to make sure that you guys are aware that if you're on some sort of journey in your life and you're either full-time self-employed, you're on the journey to becoming full-time self-employed, I have two main options to work with me if you'd like to do that. One is my one-on-one coaching. I do that typically with people once a month. Some people have requested more, but most do one 90-minute call per month. And then I also have a weekly mastermind group offering called the Next Level Mastermind. Just head over to cliffravenscraft.com or mindsetanswerman.com. Either way, it'll take you to the same place. Click the Work With Me tab. Apply for one of those. And don't worry about which one to apply for. Just apply for one of them that you lean towards and through one-on-one conversations, I will make a proposal to you which one I think might be the best fit given where you are in your journey. And of course, Stephen doesn't need to say any sort of testimonial. He's pretty much every, said everything there is to it. But Stephen, uh, for anybody who wants to, who's heard you and they'd love to ask you questions or connect with you in any way, how, how do you want people to reach out to you? Yeah, you can, uh, you can reach me at ncoonfire.com. If you want to funnel hack me, that's cool too. Just download one of the free lead magnets and funnel hack me and see my whole sequence of how I, uh, I get members on board. Happy to, to do that. So you can get my email and everything there. That's the best place to get me. Awesome. Steven, it's an honor to call you friend. 
I appreciate you and just all of the opportunities we've had to do life together. As you said, there's no doubt in my mind, this this is, we're, we're lifelong friends. And so until they put me in the ground, you're stuck with me, my friend. Wouldn't have it any other way, Cliff. I appreciate it. All right. Thank you, everybody. Until next time, I encourage you to take everything you do to the next level. Mindset and to